Please be advised that in order to foster quality discussions in each episode, we will spoil the stories in each game and text we talk about. Good news is, 90% of the titles we cover are old enough that many of you might already know all about them. That said, we do encourage you to play and read before listening. everyone, welcome to Arcade Bookshop. I'm Bryce Yoli, here with my pal and cousin-in-law, Caleb James. In this podcast, our goal is to talk about not only the fun and nostalgia of video games, but also the literary quality of the story, and the creative work and history involved in making each game what it came to be. With each video game, we read a book that parallels specific qualities of the game. We'll have a literary discussion of the book on its own, and also compare the two. We'll talk about how cool it is that books and video games can affect our day-to-day lives in a lot of similar ways, and how they do it. Welcome to episode one, where we're discussing the Super Nintendo game Earthbound, or Mother 2 as it was originally released in Japan. In episode two, we'll be talking about Ray Bradbury's famous novel, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Before we get started, um, what do video games and books do for you, Caleb? What do you love most about them, and why have you joined me here? Well... I I feel like I kind of am responsible for your resurgence into the especially the retro game market because I was playing Earthbound. I think when I first met you, I, I might have been playing Earthbound. But video games for me are just the one, just the general escape of life. A lot of people they you know they read books, uh, watch movies, TV, things like that. But gamers have a unique sense of what it means to put yourself into another world because it's a little different when you're watching a movie or TV because that's something that's almost happening to you or you're just witnessing something but a video game you're a participant in right so you actually get to partake in what not only partake but you are the catalyst for the decisions being made you're the one who has to progress the video game now there is a trend of people watching others play video games which I don't think you're a fan of no. Uh, I don't mind so much depending on the game because I almost view it as watching like a movie or something. But it does not compare to actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. And usually when I watch someone playing a game, I want to play the game. Um, but I was a gamer way back in, uh, I think my first system, I was, I want to say we actually did have an Atari. I don't really remember. I remember a joystick. I was like maybe three. Uh, those were terrible. Uh, my cousin had some PC games back in the day and like some of the simple point and click games and even worse, those input games where it's like, I think it was a hitchhiker's guide game. And it's like, you woke up. What do you do next? Uh, walk, move. They give to type it in and it's a command not recognized. It was really irritating. But I grew up main era, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega. Those were the big three for us. Uh, then we got the Game Boys, and then we progressed into the more advanced games. Uh, we got the CD games. Uh, I really topped out at, at the height of my nostalgia probably was the 64 era. Cause that's when I was just coming of age, like I was maybe 12 to 13, and I was playing those games like crazy. Because at a certain age, that's what you could just play games all day. Yeah. Uh, then as I got a little older, you get the PlayStation, PlayStation 2s. 
Uh, and then that's when my journey kind of stopped because one price becomes an option. Like once you actually have to be an adult and pay for these things yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little problematic, but as far as coming back to video games, because I've played some newer games, but I, I don't own any of the new system. Too much of a time suck. I just, I can't, you know, mm. we're both writers. Uh, we both love reading. It's hard to do all these things at once. And once you play a yeah. video game, like that can just suck so much of your, your uh, time away. But, uh, I got back into, I got an emulator and got back into the retro games. My goal was to go back and beat all the original games that I never beat or never got to play. Uh, because a lot of people through those rose tinted glasses don't realize Nintendo games were still like $65. Yeah. Like not adjusted for inflation. They right. were super expensive, yeah. <laughs> but we like think of it as, oh, they're just cheap game. No. So a lot of us who were lower to middle income families, you might only got one or two games a year. You, you could rent games from video stores, but you weren't, you know, you aren't getting every game. Right. So if you got stuck with a dud and there's lots of duds, like an LGN game or something, you were yeah, stuck you with stuck it. it out. Yeah. yeah, you're playing shitty Karate Kid. Like you're stuck with Karate Kid. And he's like, this is the, you know, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. This is the worst game I've ever played, but I have to play it because it's all I have. Oh, uh, we got. I used to get stuck with all the old wrestling games and stuff, but yeah, I uh, going back now. I actually can play any of the games I want and play the games that I would enjoy. Uh, then playing, and this will go into Earthbound. The games that I we either missed the wave or just didn't know about. Right. I never knew about Earthbound. Yeah, I, I only heard about that. Uh, we both watched the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd video. He posted about it, and until then, I didn't really. I knew Ness from Super Smash Brothers. I didn't know what he was from. Yeah, I remember hearing about that Super Smash Brothers game, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, Ness is a character in here!" And I'm like, "Who the Who? fuck is Ness? <laughs> Who's Ness?" <laughs> Yeah, and he had like a baseball bat, and he's just like a little fat kid. I was like, "Who is this guy? I don't, I don't care about this character." Uh, but when I finally got to go back and play Earthbound, I was, I'll, I will let you discuss the Earthbound because you played it more recently than me. But I actually beat it twice in the last like year and a half or so. Uh, the first playthrough is more challenging than the second playthrough because the second playthrough you know what you're doing. Yeah, but just it's probably the only RPG I ever played that was innocent like mm. it wasn't i mean you still have the fear of the earth being destroyed or th but it wasn't more adult themed it was more of like experiencing an adventure at like the goonies or uh like stranger things would be the modern equivalent is yes there might be adult things happening but it's still like this childhood innocence that runs the story which mm -hmm. i really like the kids are doing goofy things drinking soda pops and like there it's not any you're not shooting people with machine guns and stuff all the time it's it's yeah. more uh using your mind to come up with goofy ways to solve problems mhm mm yeah and i well going back uh i i think the first video game i remember playing is i don't know if it's the first thing i played or if it's just the most archaic thing i played but <laughs> we had we had a couple games for like dos i think ooh and um we had a Wheel of Fortune game, and it was all green and yellow and red, just bright, basic colors. Oh. <laughs> I remember playing that. And I, I think it had a feature where you actually used a microphone, one of those like match game microphones, yeah, to <laughs> to speak something into it. And I don't know if I ever got it to work, but that's like that's probably the oldest thing I remember remember ever playing. That along with like uh, I don't know if I played it then, but I watched my brothers play Doom. 
so there yeah those on on pc and then uh and we have a age difference here but uh so i'm i'm 28 right now and you're 36 36 so yeah i i grew up with those systems with the super nintendo the, the original nintendo and uh i think the, the main difference stuff, is but, i came into it when it was new right you came right. into it when it was yeah. already established i like backseat washed it until yeah. my brother got me interested in it and then and now i now i can talk about it almost as if i actually did live through it because i had to play those and actually mm-hmm. like yeah keep that interest and for me i uh I I like you talked about with like like kind of give up video games or put it on the wayside as you become an adult and just things get serious you got to like you got to do adult things. Yep. You got to do your laundry. <laughs> you got to work. And uh once you mix kids into the mix and yeah. you know once you add kids to the mix it's worse and right. And yeah, so I uh, the last year or two I like completely stopped playing video games. And uh, if not longer, I, I sprinkled things in here and there, but I I really didn't play at all. And I and I before that, I went all the way through college playing video games, like you're in the period where you're like trying to become an adult, but you can't figure it out, and things get in your way, and you put it down because it's immature. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's it's like it's a weird feeling trying to mesh your adult self with a thing like video games that everyone thinks is just this immature time waster thing, but. You know, I, I, I had kind of a difficult time this last year with a personal issue and uh, something that helped me come back to life a little bit was letting myself do this fun thing again because... Again, the escapism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Because you have no worries outside of what is happening in the game. Yeah. That's your only concern is progressing the game and your problems don't exist anymore. It's the problems of the characters that you were playing. Right. And I, I was going to talk about that a little later, but I... Uh, and that's what I—that's something I love about video games. That I've always been looking for a conversation to listen to or be a part of, where we, we can discuss it beyond just this game is fun, and like, and like what, like how did they do this and mm-hmm. stuff. Like I, I, I always loved the uh, story-driven games. Like my my brother was huge into Final Fantasy, so I was huge into Final Fantasy. Right, and. I, I and I think my favorite game of all time is Final Fantasy Nine, which I'm currently playing through again. Well, it's funny and, because I have an older. He's five. My brother is five years older than me, so he was the one that actually got the games. I was also the second hand. I get yeah. to play when he's done, <laughs> so I watched him play. So I was subjected to whatever his taste in games were. Yeah. So if we're playing Mortal Kombat, it's because he liked Mortal Kombat. You know, if we're playing Final Fantasy, it's because he liked Final Fantasy. Yeah. I didn't get to pick. <laughs> so I not until the like the sixty four era when I it was my sixty four and I got to pick the games. But it's it's interesting how your siblings, your friends, your parents, family, whatever it is, they influence your habits and uh, we can also go into books because a lot of us get into reading because it's what our parents read or what mm-hmm. our older brothers and sisters read. But going back to just to like why we love games, uh especially the retro games, because it's like the modern games are so much to them. But they brag about this amount, you know, 200 hours of live game time, and then you can do online and all this other stuff. The retro games are limited. Mm-hmm. I know if I play Earthbound, I am, if I know what I'm doing, or if I use a walkthrough, I can set, oh, if I play two hours on a Saturday and a couple hours on Sunday, I could finish this game in a month or two. 
right without having to play through the week or if i only played this amount of time like you know you can set those things but the modern games it's just like you know it's too much of a time suck and it were at this weird period of time where it used to be people would look down on you especially for an adult playing video games was like comic books oh adults should be reading comic books what a waste of time read literature well now you get people are getting lots of money playing video games. <laughs> yeah. Even the retro games, they they have their stream channels and stuff, and it's like I'm gonna play Earthbound, and you can watch me, and they make hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh man, there's all kinds of podcasts dedicated to gaming and gaming yeah. culture. So it's finally not only blown up, but it's accepted, mm-hmm. which I, I like. So we could actually talk about this stuff and not seem like these niche nerds, you know? Right. Yeah, and I I I, I was gonna say I I feel like Earthbound was like the perfect game for me to come back into video games with and like I, like you mentioned i only started playing it because you told me to <laughs> yeah i said you don't have a choice you have to play this game <laughs> and, I, and then i started and i was like fuck this game and then i came back and then i beat the whole goddamn thing we'll and- talk about the mechanics and there is aggravations as most retro games uh they are not short of faults but earthbound is no uh exception there are quite a few faults with the game yeah. that just drive you nuts I would like to, because I've done this with Simon's Quest 2, I got a hacked version where mm. all they did was just fix the annoyances of the Simon's oh, really? Quest. Yeah. <laughs> like, Simon's Test, uh, Quest 2 has one of the main issues when it, I think the night turns to dark, the game stops, the stupid dialogue box comes up. It takes forever. It takes like a minute of gameplay out just to, to have this stupid time transition. And the hacked version, it's just like a second. Oh, it's dark Jeez. now. Like, it's not bad. But they did a lot of things to fix the dialogue because a lot of these old Japanese games, the dialogue doesn't translate well. They did a terrible job. Uh, Earthbound is actually one of the few games that did a really good job. Yeah. Though, I don't know if you wanted to discuss the, if you had this in your notes, but uh, it's funny. The Japanese version of Earthbound, they actually have a bar and they drink beer. In the game, it's cafe, uh, cafes and coffee and arcades yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like more because in the early 90s when this game came out, the U.S. was still, like, very strange with kid censorship stuff. You can't drink a beer in a kid's game. Right. In Japan, that's fine. You can drink beer in a kid's game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I just to, like, finish my point earlier, I, Earthbound was cool because it's, uh, it, it's, you get that same Final Fantasy feel. It's, you know, it's turn-based, mm-hmm. and it, there's a story, and you're walking from point A to point B, and eventually to point Z. You know what we and, should probably do for the listeners uh, who are not aware of Earthbound that are listening. Maybe actually give a synopsis of. I the will. Game. I will. Okay, you got that. And then, and uh, but I was just gonna say, it, it's like Final Fantasy. It's like my favorite kind of game, but it's so condensed. And and well, and we'll get to this. But while the subject matter is sort of complex, it's just it's a very contained game that I can handle and come right back into from from trying to be an adult real hard. Yeah, coming out and coming back into like just enjoying a game. Not uh, this is a bit of a digression. One of the games that really did that for me, that got me back into just being able to escape and play these retro games, was Chrono Trigger because mm. it's very similar. It's a very contained game. You don't have to grind endlessly to make your characters uh, better. You don't have to do all these side challenges and all these crazy things. Like it's it's a game that you can beat it. Have fun, and then you actually could go back and play it with all your weapons and stuff and just really beat it. Like what, just, 25 more times, right? Yeah, you could just keep playing. <laughs> you could do all kinds of awesome stuff and do... Because I like on these games, uh, I like the adventure element of just being able to go to towns and talk to people and see what the dialogue yeah. is, and the dialogue changes. 
Earthbound's great for that because when you beat the game, you can go back and just talk to everybody before yeah. you end it officially. Right. And see what they're, wait, what are these guys up to now? Right. And I said 25 because aren't there 26 possible endings? I think so. Trigger? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of endings on Chrono yeah. Trigger. That's the one thing that it's, that's kind of intimidating on that to me because I, like, I mean, I've beaten it twice at least, mm-hmm. but. The fact that they're that I'm not seeing everything, it's always like frustrating. It's like I don't have time to play this game over and over again, but I want to. When but. I did the second playthrough of that game, when you get all your weapons and everything, get to keep everything, and you're super powered, uh, I did at the very beginning when you go in like the time machine thing. I went in the wrong one to see what would happen, oh. and it immediately takes you to the boss. Oh yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> so I beat the game the second time in five minutes. Like I beat you actually game. beat it? Yeah, because I was all oh, souped up. It, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So I beat the game the second time in like five minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I guess this is done. So I had to play it again to actually enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. It was just one of those fun things. I was all, I, yeah. At the beginning, I was like, well, you're supposed to go on the left one. What if I went in the right one? It happens. Oh, you fight the, the main villain. <laughs> I did not know that. It's funny. But you could technically do that from Jump Street, but you yeah. just would get destroyed. Right. <laughs> Oh, and I just remembered you, were, you mentioned something about translations earlier. I you sent me that other uh, what's his name? That video game nerd or angry, angry video game nerd? Angry video game yeah, nerd. James Rolf. Yeah, he sent you sent me that one video the other day, yesterday I think. <laughs> he just said about how goofy translations are in some of these games, and he he said that sometimes they say stuff like congratulations. That was uh, I-, <laughs> I forget what game that was. It was a really hard game. Might have been like Castlevania or something. Super hard game in the ending. That's all it is. It just says congratulations, but it's spelled wrong. <laughs> so it's like congr- was, congratulations or something. I was cracking up for like five minutes. <laughs> I went through a couple years ago, which also helped me get into the retro games. Is I went through and just started watching all his videos. Just the angry video game nerd videos, not his regular videos. Uh, which I watched some of those too, which are good. But just like it made me want to play bad games. Yeah. He does such a good job of it. But I, I went and played like a lot of. The games that he would talk about, they're so bad that you have to try them. So you yeah. can't be that bad. Like Jekyll and Hyde, <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> like the worst game I ever played. So stupid. Well, uh, we've digressed a bit. So we also like to read. And yes. uh, <laughs> and we'll have a book attached to this, as, we, as I said earlier. And we promise episode. every episode is not going to be a 20-minute introduction. Yeah, we just wanted <laughs> to introduce ourselves. Yeah, and, first episode. And just talk about how we feel about these games coming back. Yeah, we're we're writers. We love to read, and we'll give you a, a good taste of that as well in future episodes. And as far as reading, that's never stopped for me. Really, mm-hmm. I was a reader as a child. Um, probably during high school when they made us read, just you know, made Shakespeare not fun to read. Like when they do things like that, at least in the public uh, school systems uh, around here, they made it so I didn't really enjoy reading. So I dropped off, but I'd still read a few books a year. And then in my 20s, I, I picked it back up, and now I'm like, you know, crazy heavy reader. But, yeah, that's one thing. Unlike video games, that's never stopped completely for me. I was always mm-hmm. a reader. Uh, writing is something that I always did as a child. And then, again, it kind of followed my reading pattern where I would not write so much or I would, oh, I have a great story. I would really work on it and then just abandon it randomly. Yeah. Uh, so I was very hit or miss with that. But then also in my 20s, I uh, got a lot better. And then, you know, now we're both uh, getting published places and we read books all the time. And now we do, you know, typical white guy stuff of having a podcast where we talk about these things. (laughs) And here we are. Here we are. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think uh, I I started loving reading. I mean, I think in like elementary school, and I I was I continued doing it in like middle school, and then I just stopped. I don't know why. But then, uh, <coughs> then probably I, just other interests. Maybe video games. Video games. <laughs> yeah, video games. <laughs> I'll do it. It's a lot fun, more fun to play a video game <laughs> than read a book, probably. But again, uh, that that's what like you said earlier, and I already had this in my notes to say it. But the cool thing about video games is that it's it is a book. But you're in it. Yeah. And it's just so cool. And, and your decisions will change they, how yeah. the, game, the the book, if we're going that route, uh, ends up. Exactly. But, yeah, I uh, I think that uh, when I finally started getting back into reading, it was my, like, I think junior year English class. Because uh, we had this cool teacher, and he was obsessed with James Bond. And I was like... Uh, <laughs> I didn't read like any of the books in his class, mm-hmm. and then I was like, he, he's always talking about James Bond. He knows everything about him. And I was like, I want to get a James Bond, and and I did, and I uh, I brought from Russia with love to mm-hmm. class, and he was like, dude, you're reading that, and, <laughs> and he's like, he's like in his sixties, and uh, <laughs> and you're sitting there acceptance, yeah, <laughs> and I think from then on, I just kept reading, and uh. And I actually, I actually went to school for art, and then I, I figured out that that was a waste of time for me. And mm. uh, I don't think art's a waste of time. I just think just for, for you, me personally, yeah. But and then I got into writing, and I have a degree in it now. Um, I don't know how useful having a degree in writing is because Caleb doesn't have a degree in writing. Do you? Caleb? No, I, I do not have a degree in writing. No, but uh, I don't think it's really necessary. But it depends what you, if you want to be a journalist, you kind of. Yeah. That's probably something you have to have. But if you just want to write books, no, you don't need any degree. You don't right. need to take any creative writing classes. You don't need to do any of that stuff, though it can help. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like the main thing is getting to your master's and if, if you feel like teaching. That other... seems to be like, the yeah, it's just are you going to be a teacher? Yeah. If not, then maybe don't do this. And even <laughs> then, uh, I just don't recommend school anymore, really, because I'm, the just, money, yeah. I'm just in debt. Forever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you get rich. If the podcast takes off and <laughs> nets yeah. you a lot of money, uh, maybe. And boy, would I appreciate it. Everyone. Yeah. But yeah, we'll set up a Patreon and everything if it takes <laughs> off. But right now, we're here for fun. Get and, Bryce uh, out of the doghouse so he can play more <laughs> video games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just want to give you guys something to listen to that's about video games and also intellectual. So, do uh, you want to dig in? One more point before we do that. Okay. Because you brought up your teacher talking about how excited he was that you were reading the James Bond book. I think if you want, and this usually goes with video games, a lot of us not, like I didn't pressure you to play Earthbound, but I definitely got you to play Earthbound because of my enthusiasm. <laughs> if you're very enthusiastic about something, uh, this usually more specific for reading, it's harder to get people to read something. But if you're very enthusiastic about it, they might actually read it. If you want somebody to play a game and you're talking it up to the moon, well, you better hope it's a the game they actually like, or else they'll yeah. never trust your opinion again. <laughs> but usually, that the enthusiasm is the way to get people, like small children. Hey, I want you to get into reading books. They're not going to do it unless you're very enthusiastic about it. Yeah, absolutely. But let's dig into Earthbound. All right, here we are. As we said before, we never really heard of this game until like what this past year, right? I think it was last year for last me. Last year. So where the hell did this game come from? Japan? Did it, did it actually exist before? You think it's a Mandela effect thing? It I, didn't exist? I, just... I think so. I mean, it seems that way. It's like, I, I, 
I don't understand. All of a sudden, it's on the Super Nintendo Classic, and, uh, and well, even James Rolfe didn't hear about it, and he grew up playing every video game there was. Yeah, well, that, that's at the angry yeah. video game. Yeah, yeah. What in the world? And I, I always thought my brother was the the I don't know. He's heavy into video games. Played the Super Nintendo constantly. And like, he's your mentor. Uh, yeah, and but he didn't know. I just brought this up, this game up to him uh, at my my other brother's bachelor party, and. Uh, which is a good time to talk yeah. about video games. <laughs> In a bachelor party. <laughs> but he had no idea. None. Well, the North American promotion of Earthbound was terrible. Was it? Oh, they, didn't they say this game stinks? Yeah, and they had a scratch and sniff book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they just, for whatever reason, they weren't able to catch on here. But I'm pretty sure the Mother series was very popular in Japan. Like, I don't even know what Mother 1 is. Like, Is it like Earthbound? I don't know. Is the third one like Earthbound? Again, I don't know because they never followed it up. I don't think. Yeah, I think they maybe the well the first one, Mother One. They did Earthbound two or Mother three, but they didn't, as far as I understand, either finish it or release it to the public in the U.S. So yeah, so I I think Mother One is now Earthbound Beginnings. Okay, which is available. That's probably the one I'm thinking of. It's that's available on. Uh, the Nintendo Online, if you have the Switch, mm-hmm. so I could play that. I don't know. I don't know if I will, but I, I could play that if I wanted to. I think that was for the original Nintendo. Mother Three. I just, I just heard this from uh, another podcast. They, I, I think you can, if you do emulators, I think you can play it. You can get an English version of it. Well, I have all the Famicom games, so I could play the Mother series. I could play the Japanese version of Earthbound, too, like just the yeah. where they're drinking beer instead of cola. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, actually, I did play some of it, uh, but my Japanese, uh, I can't read it very well, so... <laughs> yeah, it's a... <laughs> the characters... It's tough. Especially in video game screen formatting, it's not easy to read. Like, the yeah. characters, I only know a few of them anyway, but <laughs> like not enough to be able to read like crazy Japanese. Yeah, I couldn't do that. I don't... Those aren't those aren't my letters. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the game mechanics, or actually, no. Before we get into that, what's this game about? That's so probably yeah. Like that, I said, we need a synopsis for the folks. Yeah, I. Uh, so I I have a really bad one, and I'll I'll speak it, but I think you can probably do it better than I can. Okay. So uh, simply put, I said this this game is about uh, kids who discover their powers, strengths, and usefulness in the world to save it from destruction. And also from a hometown bully who succumbed to the evils of the world. And uh, that's very vague. Very vague, yes. But I think I kept it vague because I think Earthbound is kind of a vague game. A little bit. But what would you say? I would say Earthbound, uh, for modern sensibilities, to get us the, you know, the contemporary listener, the person under the age of 25 who... Because uh, when we were initially... Before we settled on the Ray Bradbury book, we felt It by Stephen King was a better right. companion for this just because it's a ragtag group of kids who fight not just a horrible monster, but also a horrible monster that turns into other horrible monsters. Basically, you know, Pennywise the Clown is right. just whatever they're scared of. You fight all kinds of monsters in this game. You go on a big adventure. Uh, but It was way too long. We weren't going to do that. Uh, Ray Bradbury's um, Something Wicked This Way Comes has like the carnival feel, which you also deal with in this game. And again, ragtag group of kids. If you want to go more modern, though, it's like a Stranger Things, where you, again, just any the Goonies, Stranger Things, 
just a bunch of, you know, plucky kids, <laughs> you know, just full of uh, energy and wonder, and they want to solve the mysteries of the world. But on the deeper side of this, because this is a Japanese game, <laughs> it's not what an American game necessarily would be like. The Japanese have a little bit of a darker side to what they let kids uh, imbibe in. So what we get is Gygus, this monster. We don't really know what he is from outer space because the game starts with a meteor crash. Right. But Gygus, as we understand, is going to pretty much end the world. So that's pretty high stakes. And these kids, Ness specifically, he and a character named Paula both seem to have a telekinetic power. There's magic in this game. So you get little hints at the magic. You get little hints of their abilities and their skills. And then you, we get other characters that come into the game. One who's just very smart and does not have any powers, but then another one who is completely from another side of the world who has a great name, Pooh, and <laughs> Pooh also has abilities that rival Ness and Paula. They can do all kinds of cool things, but they must use these powers. Learn Well, first they have to learn, you know, because they're just kids. It's a coming-of-age story as well because they're basically going through very traumatic events. Uh, what would be traumatic, you would think, if you were living through them? You know, you're fighting monsters, you're fighting zombies, you're fighting uh, road signs, fucking evil cars, you're <laughs> like, speed limit signs, like... <laughs> <laughs> There's this game is weird, by the way. We should probably start it on very super episode. Weird. Super weird. You're fighting flying sandwiches, just whatever you can think <laughs> of. Lips, like <laughs> big eyeballs. Um, but the game I love. What I love about this game is it does start off small. It's a hometown story at first. You get the happy town music. You're in this little town of on it, and who are the big baddies you have to fight in this town as you're developing Ness's abilities? Frank, just a little a, a gang leader <laughs> and a bunch of his little gangster friends who are just bullies and they go through causing a ruckus through the, the town. Uh, that's where you start off in this game. And then I love that every town you go through, every progression you make, it seems like the biggest threat you would ever fight. Yeah. But then looking back on it, it's like Frank was super easy. He wasn't a threat at all. But when you're fighting Frank at the beginning, it's like, this is crazy. I died. Many times, probably. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so the ultimate fight uh, is always looming in the distance. Gygus, mm -hmm. that's your big threat. And his sidekick, Pokey, which is your neighbor, which I love, too, is this neighbor kid who's just this fat little dork. Yeah. He's just a little jerk, and for no reason, he hates Ness. And through the whole thing, he's always trying to thwart Ness and ju just do all these bad things, and he's always corrupting people and... Uh, eventually he gets his way all the way up to Gygus, and he's Gygus' sidekick. And it's just <laughs> hilarious how this unfolds, because it's like, why is this little stupid kid able to do, like, become an intergalactic monster? Like, it doesn't make sense, but um, there's a lot of game things in this game that are based in, like, uh, different philosophies and uh, just, like, a mysticism. Like, yeah. like uh, something you wouldn't normally see in a U.S.-based game. Yeah, I... the word that i use for it and which i always also am going to use for uh the book is absurdism yeah it's it just seems absurd and i think it's it's for the sake of whatever metaphors they're trying to mushroom forth mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it, it's hard to put put it to like one analysis i guess because and i i 
I, I was going to talk about this later, but let, let me, we can just do it now. But I just feel like anyone could find a different meaning in this game. Yeah. At, depending who you are and where you come from. Well, it could be as simple as just this is a sla- slapstick fun game. Like you're fighting big piles of barf. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you defeat a, a town full of zombies? You put down zombie traps instead of fly traps. Yeah. <laughs> that just sticks them to the ground. Or zombie paper. You fight a yeah. giant carnival tent. You do. <laughs> like the game your is Your dad is a phone. Your dad is a phone. He just calls you not and that's really irritating. We'll get to that <laughs> when we get to the faults of the game. But dad calls you all the fucking time. Um, there's also a couple times in the game where you get high on hallucinogens and just go to fucking yeah. space. It's weird. It's real weird. You ever drink the special coffee or tea or whatever it is? It's like, and then like yeah. just this endless thing of like narration comes down. It's very bizarre. Yeah, I don't, oh, I don't I know if those. you. What happens if you just skip that? You, I don't know if anything changes. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it bears on the story at all. I think it's just a cool thing to like transition to you into the next like. Uh, I, I think it seems like. It happens only twice, right? Mm, two or three times. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like the game is kind of split up into into thirds to me. It happens when you have the special magic tarts on the beach. It happens oh, yeah, that's when, true. Yeah. Drink the coffee. The shy people, I think they give you one. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you have to give these little guys this uh, book of overcoming shyness to get them to talk to yeah. you. It's so <laughs> stupid. But anyway, like we were saying, so you have the absurdist nature. You could just take it at that face value. But this da- game does get deeper, mm-hmm. uh, and you can look into it deeper because it goes into this whole nostalgia-based, uh, what have you done in your past, what's your future going to look like, how is your present. Like It's very, uh, I don't want to say meta, but it's it's interesting because it almost mimics like the player. Like When you go to the Ness's Dream World later in the game, you get all his memories. So you're talking to your memories, people you've defeated. Uh, people that say they still feel the pain that you made them feel. Yeah. It's like, damn, that kind of cuts deep. It does. And uh, then, like, you get uh, the little flying guys that help you. Those are uh, your courage, and they die. Like, yeah. if they die, and then if you go back, if you die, or you just go back and get another flying guy, they're buried there. They actually have a tombstone. Right. Here lies the flying guy. Here lies your courage. It's like, damn, <laughs> like, this game does get really deep if you look into it. Um, that's that was my second playthrough. Is what I really enjoyed was focusing on those because mm-hmm. it's so relentless at times. Like a lot of, they're in the first play. You're just trying not to die. Yeah, you can't really look too deep into that stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the the battle system is weird, and I we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, it's distracting in the in the beginning when you're on your first playthrough when you don't know what you're doing because it's not like other RPGs. Yeah, because you're just like, how do I not? How do I continue living and get somewhere with this? <laughs> yeah. And also, and this will go in later too, is the items. There's so many things that don't do anything. Yeah. That you get, and you never know unless you have a guide what is right. necessary, what's useful. Uh, but again, that could be a um, a retro view of life. How many things in your life have you carried with you that were useless? Uh, yeah. And it doesn't I even have to be items. That. It doesn't have yeah. to be objects. It could be, uh, you know, feelings. It could be memories. It could be things that you're holding on to, relationships with people that you should have cut ties with. Things you hold on to that you, I'll have a use for this at some, you know, sometime, or maybe this will be needed eventually, mm-hmm. but sometimes it never is. Sometimes you cut one of those relationship cords, or you finally just let something go, and then it turns out it was something you needed. Right. Like, you never know. It's the hard part about being an adult. I think this game does, 
Now, whether that was done on purpose or not, I can't say, but I think this game does justice to that notion. Yeah, and uh, I that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't thought of that. And that also makes more, I mean, if that's a thing that was deliberate, it makes more sense why the inventory is so uh, limited. So strict, yeah, you can only yeah. carry a certain amount of items, so you always have to dump things or, right. or store things. Right, it's like it's teaching you life lessons the whole way through. Yeah, like to me, it's the the game is just a whole like childhood reflection or lesson. I mean, naturally it is because it's kids yeah. trying to save the world, but I think a lot of people. I, I mean, I I read and watched some people who pick it apart, and they focus they focus more on the ending. I think, which is very confusing, but. I don't know. To me, it, there's a whole like the whole coming of age thing, and specifically, I don't fully understand why it was originally called Mother, but I find it super interesting that the dad is never there, but constantly yeah. gives you money. And you are well. That's another interesting aspect that you brought up. Why was it called Mother? Why does Ness have to call his mom every so often in the game, or else he yeah, feels he nostalgia? Homesick. Yeah, he gets homesick. Uh, why? Is Gygus at the end a big image of a baby in utero? Yeah. Well, that's not confirmed. But it, but it, it looks it like a does. it looks like an ultrasound of a baby. It's freaky as yeah. shit. But it looks like a baby in utero. They, yeah. I can't say that it's not. It has to be. Like, <laughs> the game's called Mother, right? Right. I feel like that has to be done deliberately. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is coincidence. But there are a lot of aspects of the game that seem to be about a mother-son relationship. And also, there's other characters who have weird relationships with their parents, like the one character, Jeff. His dad's a scientist who is very, like, it's almost like he lives he in a home. He doesn't live with his dad. Yeah, he, he lives really in like, know a, who he, who his like son a, is. Yeah, it's like a school or something, but his dad, like, when they talk, it's almost like they're just colleagues. It's very strange. Pooh, he is a prince, and his family system is very strange. And then you have Paula, who lives with her mom and dad, and she seems to have the most normal relationship with her parents, but at the same time... They let her get abducted. They let her get abducted, and they have a daycare where there's all these other kids, and yeah. Paula almost raises those kids. Yeah. They look to her as a mother, which is strange. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, so like the mother theme, I would like to investigate more. I would recommend at some point you do a second playthrough now that you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And also, just use guides just for everything if for yeah. what you didn't forget just to blow through the game right. but focus on the other stuff because you do get a lot more uh, out of it that's a lot because you know there's so much endless walking in this game <laughs> that it's hard sometimes like when you're going in the stupid desert levels and you keep sweating and getting heat stroke and it's just like ow I, like you can't focus on other stuff in the game too much yeah you just try not to die and i might play through it again at some point i don't want to do it right away since i'm just getting back into games i'm trying to like yeah get more under my belt but like we couldn't find anything about this online but when i finished the game i let the credits roll through and the game started over again and i still had all my stuff and i it doesn't sound like they that they that's a thing like a that didn't happen to me because i just had my game and i had it sitting there for a long time and it never did anything it was just the end yeah screen. that might be a new thing with like because uh, so, you played it the on switch. the switch i yeah. played it on the emulator so right i so, don't know if there's a difference but i haven't i haven't been able to find anything about it but it sounds like that'd make the game a lot more fun <laughs> new game yeah i might just breeze through it yeah. at some point just plow right, right like on. chrono trigger maybe they just did that so you couldn't really play through the game yeah 
there's also a, a, another theme in this game that I haven't quite deciphered is the music element. Because that's the point of the main point of the game for what 90% of the game you're collecting these musical notes. Oh yeah, yeah. What uh, what were the name of those? It wasn't musical notes. Uh you had the soundstone. Soundstone and then and you'd go to each place uh, and yeah, well they were called uh It's how your, you get to your sanctuary locations. Yeah. And that's how you got to Ness's, uh, which I, I did mine. The second playthrough, I did mine out of order, and it didn't make a difference. Oh, really? But, yeah, like, I didn't – it doesn't really matter, but I, I did them out of order. But you get, what was it, like, seven of them or something? But you get all those, and then that's when you go to Ness's memory, and then you can actually beat the game. Yeah. But, th- like, I wasn't sure the significance of those – because every time you get one of those, he has a flashback to something mm-hmm. that happened when he was a baby, his first telekinetic event, uh, his first time he got a hat or a baseball – like, whatever, like – Major events, like they all build up to him facing down his memories, but he's just a kid. He shouldn't have all this baggage. Like he feels bad right. about in his memories about, like I said, hurting people because those villains are, they still exist to him. Yeah. Even though he defeated them or killed them, you don't really know if people die in this game, I guess, but like, yeah, they, they go tame or back to normal. Yeah, which is for also the most interesting. Part. Yeah, because it's a kid's game. They don't actually yeah. die, but you know, they still feel pain and like, Ness talks to his earlier self in, in the the dreamland, and that's interesting because like the kids like yeah you want to play baseball or something, but Ness can't. He's like oh okay maybe another time, but it's yeah. just like the stuff that makes you feel sad. Right. You don't know why exactly. And I didn't I didn't pick up on some of that stuff at first. I, like I had to. I mean I I watched videos and listened to podcasts after the fact, and I'm like oh man <laughs> yeah it's <was> deep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like what? I don't know what to make of all this stuff. There's, it seems like there's so much that it cannot be deliberate, mm. but, but at the same time, there's so much that it had to be, it had to be planned, at to some degree. Yeah. Like even I, I started wondering about their names. Like what? Because you can, they have default names that everybody knows them by. Mm-hmm. But you can also say I don't care, and then it'll just yeah, <laughs> and then and you can uh oh. I don't care that that, that, gives, that gives them the, them the default generic, yeah. but you can also name them whatever you want. It's like a normal RPG, yeah. right? Um, and also it asks you your name multiple times throughout the game. Yeah, and then like, are you sure that's your name? And it'll do that. It did right. that a couple of times. Like, what? Why does it keep asking me this? Yeah. Like, yes, I'm Caleb, and they ask you your name specifically, and then you find yourself like almost changing it. The bizarre, then, the bizarre thing about this, yeah, you almost do want to change it, but it's also bizarre because this game runs like it's aware that it's a game at times. Like, there's certain yeah. moments like that, yeah. and then the fucking picture guy. But <laughs> we'll talk about that, too, the photographer guy. But there's there's moments during the game where it's very self-aware that it's a video game, and the characters will have some kind of dialogue that alludes to it being a game, or certain things, like with like the mole guys or something, they teach you how to play the game. And uh, it's just it's very strange. It's like, are we breaking the fourth wall or not? Right. What are we doing here? Do the characters are they all aware it's a game, or just some of them? I don't know. I don't That's know. Something to, that would be also worth investigating. But we should probably get into different things like the mechanics and stuff while we keep this uh, relatively short. Yeah, yeah, we're getting long already. But yeah. uh, I only had one last thing about the pick it apart. Okay. I, um, I like. What do you think? I guess you talked about it a little bit, but why do you think they have? Uh, Ness and Paula, why do you think they have psychic powers? It seems like it's heavily psychic. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I was trying to figure out because it almost seemed as if it had something to do with Gygus because there's some kind of predestined, maybe you don't have free will aspect that's touched upon. Uh, I haven't dived into that, so I can't say for sure. Because it starts off with like the what the little butterfly guy or uh he's a bee I think he's a bee yeah yeah he he's a bee yeah buzz like, well, buzz yeah what's with this guy <laughs> we got this bee but it's almost uh like it's destined like it's destined that De- uh Ness is gonna defeat Gygus with the help of his friends like they're all gonna get together it's almost like there's no free will for him like this was already predetermined that it will happen why do they have powers was it because of Gygus they have powers. Yeah. I never really got a definitive answer on that, um, because Ness has shown him him with the powers as an infant, and one of the, like some of the flashbacks he's moving stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's just that world it has something to do with, but I feel like there's a again with this game you never know is there a deeper meaning to all this stuff? Is there a deeper answer that we can't see, or we just haven't picked it apart enough? I don't know. Yeah, and it's hard because it sounds like the guy who who wrote it denies all the things that people tend to try to how yeah. they analyze it because i i mean the way it sounds is he just oh this sounds like a cool idea and he yeah. just made it so i don't know but that cannot be true i don't think so i don't and, think so <laughs> i just there's, there's too everything seems too deliberate and it's it's just so funny how we can sit here and talk about this because there is like i mean you can go around and talk to people in the towns and everything and it's fun but there is such minimal conversation in this game yeah you're saving the world and you eventually do that's pretty much what <laughs> and there's all this weird stuff along the way and but it's not really explained and no. and i but that, i mean that's why we can sit here and guess and guess and guess but it's just fascinating to me because that that we can do that when they haven't really given us anything yeah <laughs> well i mean as with life you don't have answers for everything and you, yeah. and you will never get answers to every question and things are sometimes something that's vague will always be vague right i don't think as people that we were ever meant to have all you know not have divine knowledge and in video games oftentimes you do get to play the role of the overseer who knows everything Mm -hmm. you might not know it as it goes along but eventually you get all the answers i like this game because you don't always get the answers like the ladies uh at the beginning uh, what was it? Something about potato salad or something weird. Vegetable soup. The vegetable soup. It was some kind of story she had. Yeah. And she starts it, and it's like, ooh, that sounds weird, and then never ever follows up. Ah, you don't want to hear about that, and that's all you get. <laughs> There's like th- different things in that in this game where it's like, oh, here's something really weird, but we're not going to explore it. Or you get the guy's, uh, you give that guy his contact lens back. And yeah, then he just gives you a crappy item. Yeah, I was like, what was and the point of all that? It's <laughs> a waste of time. <laughs> I've wasted everybody's time. <laughs> There's so many different things in this game like that. It's just like this wasted my time, and I hated doing it. Seriously. What was the purpose? Just for a gag. <laughs> but for me, I'm heavily. I I always. I'm. I mean, it's cool that like you keep making these points, and it always comes back to just like it's it's sort of like just teaching. In a weird way, it's a game that's teaching you about like being like growing up, yeah, coming of age, the rigors really, of childhood, but yeah. done in a very unique and fun way. Horrifying, because as ways. a child, what kind of monsters do you face in your day to day life? I mean, yeah, in this game there are you know zombies and werewolves and just like it. Oh wait, no, these are things kids are scared of. Yeah, 
Now, when we get to like haunted road signs and stuff, that's a little different. <laughs> but even so, I can see a little kid scared of a giant taxi. If you're yeah. young enough, it might look like a monster. Or a lot of the characters who you tame at the beginning are just like, what, like a uh, drunk dancing guy or like guy at the yeah. party or angry lady, just like stupid things. And it's just like uh, a lady with too much makeup and a weird dress or mm-hmm. a guy that's like his face is flushed because he's drunk and he's probably been a little obnoxious. When you're a kid, those are scary. Yeah. Because it's just like these big caricatures. You're like, what the fuck is that? Why is that yeah. guy acting that way? I've never seen somebody act that way. What's scarier when you're a kid? Oh, you threw up and you don't know where, you know, you're in school. Do you tell somebody? Oh, no. And then you fight a giant thing of barf in this game because it's scary. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of things that are related to childhood fears yeah. or what chi- uh, children deal with. So kids are dealing with bugs, barf, uh, you know, superficial monsters like werewolves or zombies or ghosts. The ghosts are another one. Uh, giant carnival tents that are really, really big. Like, there's a lot of things that sound so stupid and silly, but if you're a kid, those are actual things you confront in your life and you have to learn how to understand those. Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, when you start the game, you're always the same age for the most part. Like, they don't get, cause this game only takes place in what, the same day or something? I don't think weeks go by or anything as far as I understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they say. Maybe a, like a certain amount of time passes, but it's not like years or anything. So these kids aren't mm-hmm. aging, really. But at the beginning, it's these superficial, goofy monsters or bullies or at the very beginning, it's actually just dogs and birds. Right. Uh, but as the game progresses, the monsters get more intense to the point where you actually get like things that are kind of freaky. <laughs> like you start getting things, you know, past what just kids are uh, afraid of. And I think that shows the growing process. Right. It's like, well when you go back to the game, if you go back to on it after you were like at the halfway point, all the animals and stuff run away from you because mm-hmm. you're so powerful because you've defeated your fears and you're strong enough to handle those. So you don't even have to fight them anymore. They just leave you alone. So that's another mechanic of the game. I really like is once you level up to a certain level, the things that the kids would have been afraid of before they've already defeated those enemies. And now it's not an enemy anymore because you can still fight them if you want to, but you just beat them up. So you don't have to really worry about that stuff. And I think as you grow older, as a ch- like from childhood to adolescence, things that were terrifying to you, eventually you're like, why were they ever scared of that, you know? And then even goes into adulthood. There's a lot of things. It's like, I'm facing down the dragon. You know, I have this big mountain ahead of me in my life. I don't know how I'm going to defeat this. I don't know how I'm going to conquer this mountain. But once you do, you look back and you're like, why was I ever afraid of that, you know? Right. Why was I so scared to face that? Why was I so hesitant? And I think that's something this game teaches you. And I don't know if it's meant to teach you that, but it's what I took away from it is you can face down your fears. And once you overcome them, it's like, what else could I do? You know, like Mm -hmm. what else can I face down? And then it almost makes you feel kind of unstoppable. It's like I can keep tackling these obstacles in my life. And it's not it's not as overwhelming because this game also teaches you you have to do it in increments. You don't just, oh, I'm going to fight the biggest boss here and defeat him. And this probably goes with other video games, too. But just like with life, you have to face these things. You do it small, incrementally, until you chip away enough where the mountain's not so grand anymore. And I really, that's what I took away from the game that I really enjoyed most. Um, I don't know about you, but like stuff like that always just makes me happy. It makes me hopeful. Yeah. I think that's something I got from the game is hope. Right. I hate this game. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a quality of it that I really love. Uh, I like there. There's a point about I don't know, 
halfway through, maybe a little over, where I was just bored out of my mind. And I was just like, I want to get to the next thing. I just want to get to the next thing. And it's just like, there's a couple, like a town or two where teaches you patience like, as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but like you, you're just like doing minimal, like tiny little insignificant things. And it was it was frustrating as it starts out where where you're doing like significant steps to get to the, to get to each new place. But anyway, I was gonna say I, I I think all those things that you just said all the lessons it teaches you about being a uh, being a kid and inching your way toward adulthood um i found it interesting to be playing it at this point in my life because they i'm i mean i mentioned before i'm 28 and i in the last year or so it's probably probably the hardest time i've had in my life mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> just for various reasons but they they say it's like that like uh the group of people that died at 27 they they say that 27 28 that period of life it seems almost across the board it's the most difficult point in everybody's life and something something philosophical or just transformative always happens to most people yeah. at that stage in life so i i found it interesting to be to be playing it at this point in my life when i had never played it before and it's about kids, but it's also this incredibly complex idea if you can take it that way. Yeah. If you can see see through like the superficial aspects of it. And uh so I don't know. Regardless of wh- whether or not the ending is about uh 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 losing a baby. Yeah. That would be kind of traumatic for a kid's game. <laughs> I would think. But not even going into that theory because that's that's a lot to unpack. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> well, like you were saying, like the, you know, the twenty seven, twenty eight age, is like a transition period because it's when your morals are starting to really cement. Mm-hmm. It's when your ideas become more cemented. Like, okay, this is what I believe, and I'm probably gonna believe this for a long time. Versus twenty to twenty eight, it's you know. It's a hodgepodge. You're just kind of coming to an adult, your adulthood. You're trying to figure things out. But once you get to like 27 to 30, it's like, oh, now I kind of have to get shit together. I have to know what I'm doing. I have to have some direction. Uh, you're not as free uh, to a degree, but you also understand yourself better. And you, at your age, you're learning to understand yourself. Once you get to my age, you already understand yourself, and then you can look back and hate everything you've done. Yeah. <laughs> Why the fuck did I waste so much time doing this dumb shit? Oh, honestly. Um, but one more point before we go into the mechanics and stuff. Uh, I would love to see what a child, like, play this game through a child's eyes, like mm-hmm. how they take it. Because then it's just the superficial, everything we talked about. The monsters, they're not thinking about the, you know, somebody losing a baby as the finale, maybe, or uh, they're not looking at all these deeper elements. They're just playing it at surface level. This is how I feel. These are the motions this game's eliciting. Right. And I, you know, I'm either having fun, I'm angry, or I'm bored. Like, this is the main (laughs) thing. You're not thinking about all the other stuff. There's no philosophizing or anything like that. Um, But mechanic-wise. Yeah. The mechanics of this game are quite unique. Yeah. On on the surface, uh, coming into it, it it looks simple. Yeah. I I mean, it's almost simple to a fault that it makes it difficult but i because I, I know I, I first started playing and i i looked at the i saw the graphics and i was like these actually look pretty cool and actually 
they kind of remind me of Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and uh, Very cartoony. And uh, Shreya, my wife, came in and was like, you playing Pokemon? <laughs> like, no. Everything's very colorful and uh, yeah. the music's very, you know, exciting and chipper and happy or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's very, I don't know. Like, I, I was surprised that it was actually, I mean, I, of course, I haven't played anything in a long time, but I was surprised it was a Super Nintendo game. It mm-hmm. looks more like one of those, like, redone, like, modern contemporary games that yeah are, like the 16-bit like an indie game you see on yeah. stream or, or steam or something like that yeah it looked new to me there's another reason that's it's surprising it's to a me very fresh game yeah didn't know about it that we didn't know about it back then the yeah. fight mechanics are different from any rpg i play one the rolling hit counter is great it's amazing because it rolls you know you get mortal damage and you're gonna die but if you defeat the enemy quick enough you'll live because you're you, you'll yeah. stop because the counter Instead of just like you immediately lose 50 HP, it rolls down. So if you can stop the enemy before it rolls to zero, you're still alive. And that also works, you know, oh, I can heal my character real quick. Right. And they won't die. Or in the magic kind of works. Oh, not the magic, but uh, <clears throat> like the different fight mechanics of it, too, is like, oh, I want to use this magic to defeat this enemy, but I can't because my character's about to die. I need to heal them. Like, it changes how you play the game. Yeah. It changes your strategy. Uh, there's a lot of weird things, too, in the fighting things. Like, you know, Jeff, he can just, uh, like, look at the, like, what is it, a uh, study or scan or something? Yeah. And you just see, like, what weapons the character, the enemy has. And I think you maybe can steal them. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, there's just like a lot of there's a lot of learning though. Like there's still things on like the fighting is like I never knew what this did. Like yeah, I didn't like you can easily beat this whole game without ever using any of the defensive stuff. I never actually even I mean uh, you probably didn't either. I never actually used Paula's prey thing until I realized that's I had the only to. time it works. Yeah, it's at the end. Yeah, she prays to beat Gygus. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that yeah, but who would have guessed? Yeah. I, 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 it's, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I never, in any RPG like that, I never use those secondary defense things, like those, you know, defense powers or like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those like, uh, status related, uh, attacks. Um, but I, that's a point that I had in this game too. Those attacks are almost all actually useful in this game. Yeah, you need almost everything. Like, everything has a purpose for the most part. Yeah, and well, I not, I, not item-wise, but, you know, defense and fighting-wise. Yeah. and I didn't use all of them, but, I mean, like, tor- towards the end when you're fighting the Starmen, uh, that's what they're called, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, you explained to me that I had to use that thing, and I was like, oh my, that one power that, uh, the Shields. PSI shield. It's like, oh my god, this actually has a purpose. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. And then, yeah, like, I, <laughs> it's so wild because, like, I I played how many Final Fantasy games where you get all these powers and you're like, I'll collect them, I guess. You don't need but to you use never them. ever use them. Yeah, you just get you grind, you get really strong and more powerful than your surroundings, and you destroy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did find the grinding in this game annoying. Um, I guess. I'm trying to think of other like the mechanic wise. I mean, it still plays like an RPG. Uh, you still go around adventuring. Um, the game itself, there's a lot of really weird things you have to do to make things happen. But that's just like the story progression. But I don't think like the mechanics of the game itself, outside of the fighting, is too unique. Well, the the controls I think are the weirdest controls I've ever. Had. I mean, I don't know how it was for you because you played it on an emulator. But what was the the talk button? Was that like a a shoulder button for you? 
or no? Mine was either the trigger or the X button because I played on a PlayStation controller. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like for me, it was the left shoulder button to talk to people yeah. or interact with things. And I was like, what in the world? I've never done that before. And Have you done that before in a game? I don't think so. It's weird. And I... So like I, I'm in the habit still of well, doing just imagine that. having it on the little Super Nintendo controller. That yeah. would be really weird then. Yeah, it's strange. And then, but then like, so like I'm used to that now. That now that I played through Earthbound, I keep doing it on Final Fantasy. It doesn't it does do nothing. <laughs> hey, at least <laughs> but, it doesn't like fire, you know, a rocket or something. <laughs> right. Or, <laughs> like, but then while I was playing Earthbound, the whole game I'm still getting used to it. So I'm still sometimes pressing X or A or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> it does that annoying it's another absurdism thing yeah where uh i press i don't know i don't know what, what i'm trying to do on the game actually but I, I press a or something and uh when i'm i have nothing to interact with and it's just like who are you talking to? i hate that <laughs> you know what that goes right into our gripes let's go into the gripes okay so that's one of the main ones was the goddamn talking to yourself we actually hitting the button or sometimes you'll get stuck in these dialogues with people and you're like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to him. And then you have to go through a whole dialogue strain. Like some of that was really annoying. Um, the items was, that was probably the biggest annoyance for me. Yeah, definitely. You only have a certain amount of items in the game. You can hold at a time. Each character can hold one. I spent, I don't know how much of the game shuffling items back and forth mm-hmm. between people, to, especially Jeff, because he has items that get broken items. And he sometimes yeah. fixes them. So you have to keep a certain list of broken items if you want him to fix them, which means he can't hold other items you need. And he doesn't always fix the shit. So it's like, <laughs> oh, this is really irritating. And then, you, like we talked about, it, a lot of the items you don't know if you're going to need or not, especially mm-hmm. if you don't look at a guide. Oh, what does the ruler do? Nothing. You never Nothing need the fucking ruler ever. <laughs> but anyway, you also have this stupid, uh, what is it, Escargo or whatever company, uh, his sister runs, Ness's sister runs, where you call and she'll come send somebody to meet you and you give them items where you can pick up items from them and you pay like a certain fee to, ch- you know, store stuff. And it's really, really irritating that you always have to do that because you, know, you have too many items or not, you know, don't have the item you need because you had to store it. Uh, but then there's other things with the items that are annoying. It's like, why when I go to a store, if I want a whole bunch of this certain medicine or food, I have to buy them one at a time and yeah. go through the dialogue box over and over and over. Why can't I just roll over? I want 10 of them. Right. <laughs> I did that so many times where it's like, oh, I need 10 of these. Fuck. One, two. It took like 20 minutes. It's like, <laughs> why do I have to do this? It's so irritating. And like on one hand, I get doing that because it's not like, I mean, I mean, not that it validates it, but it's not like Final Fantasy where you buy like a potion and then all of your potions go into that one name, that one, like, yeah. slot. Well, if you bought, you know, if you wanted to buy but, 10 sa- skip sandwiches, uh, your whole inventory before you wouldn't have enough room. Yeah. But yeah. why couldn't they just say skip sandwich times five? Yeah. Like, why? Do you, why? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, and the... It's monotonous. Repetitive. And the, the exploding enemies, like the trees that catch on fire oh you fucking beat them and then you didn't kill you or hurt you very badly yeah it's like i beat them there's ways around that i guess i guess there's certain ways you do but i I couldn't figure out something like the bomb guys why keep pulling me up all i all i figured out was that you have to you have to kill everyone else first and then then... but not all the enemies react like that some of them just blow up what do you mean 
I'm pretty yeah. sure there's some enemies, like, what if you only fight the bomb enemy and that's it? He's going to blow up. Oh, yeah, but if you only have that, if you only have him, then you just have to do it fast. Before he blows up. And then up. get through the text as fast as you can. Yeah. So that you guys don't die. I don't know. That's, that stuff was very annoying. Also, the speed of the game. Want to talk about patience? <laughs> as an adult, like we said, maybe if you're, you're a kid, this isn't so bad, but as an adult who has a job and yeah. has to do stuff and pays a mortgage and, you know, I can't just sit there and play games all day. I would like the game to progress faster. Uh, we get a bicycle at the beginning. That's great because <laughs> then you go flying around, chirper, chirper, the bells ring and you're all excited. Ding, ding. And then you know what happens? As soon as you get your first character or even a stuffed teddy bear that, <laughs> that helps you, you can no longer ride the bike for the rest of the game until the very end when it's just Ness by himself again. I don't think I rode the bike once because you told me that, What's that the not, point? not to get used to it. And I was like, all right, I won't even do it. And that... uh, why didn't, <laughs> why, why have the bike at all? Why introduce it when you only need it for 10 minutes? You don't need it. You just, you can use it yeah. for like 10 minutes. Well, and speaking of things, and you can't take you it in, to... you can't take it anywhere either outside of the town. Like you can't drive through the tunnel. I don't think you can't go yeah. into like the cave with it. But, the, but speaking of things you have to constantly give to Cargo, did you ever max out Cargo Express? No, because I was smart enough to get the sale sign early on, and I always sold shit I didn't need. Uh, or like, So whenever I upgraded a weapon, I sold the old weapon oh, if one of my other characters couldn't use yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I did that, but at the very end... I didn't know you could max out the Cargo. I was going to say, at the very end, I maxed it out, and I was like, well, shit, <laughs> all right. I'll suffer through. <laughs> damn, damn. I'm stuck with a pair of dirty, stinky socks. Yeah, I got stuck with those, too. You know, because I thought they were needed, and they weren't needed. It's another thing that you never know what's needed. It's really annoying at times. Um, and also, we're, we're going to go to a specific, super specific gripe. His fucking dad, you'll be in the middle of an adventure, sometimes about to fight a boss, and his mm. dad called, do you want to take a break? <laughs> No, Dad, leave me alone. <laughs> right. right before I was fighting whatever that statue thing is called in in Magicant, when you're inside, yeah, the line, it's like one of the last things, like the 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 <laughs> level before the last level. It's like one of the most dramatic moments in the game. <laughs> this Dad calls. Like, hey, you there? Uh. <laughs> also, that's annoying too. You don't just get money in the game. You have to get it out of the bank. Yeah, out of ATMs, and you have to. Call I actually the dad. like that because, like, to to me, uh. It was, I mean, because one of the mechanics is that every time you die, you lose half of your money. Yeah, that's a little annoying. It's it's annoying, but I always felt like after a point, you have plenty of money, and you're never going to run, run out. out of it. And if you get low, you just fight some enemies, and then, mm. you know, if you're in one of those areas, especially know, like halfway through. It was just having just, to go through the whole dialogue with the stupid dad that was annoying me. Yeah, but I, I mean, as far as the ATM, though, I... That was that wasn't too bad. That yeah. was, I like that. I mean, I've never seen an ATM in any other game. I don't think. No, that was unique. The ailments in the game irritated me, like yeah. the sun sickness. <laughs> you constantly walk through the desert, and you're walk, and it's one of the longest walking boards. And you're all, and there's two deserts you have to go through in this game, and both of them you get sun sick, and then you start losing mm -hmm. HP. Like, oh come on! And there was the times where I got stuck, like in the pyramid, where I had sun sickness and I couldn't cure it. Like I didn't have enough HP or yeah. any medicine. I was like, oh, I'm gonna die because of this. Uh, what are some of the some of the sick some when you get diamondized and you're just like a rock? Oh yeah, that is horrible. 
Uh, there's a few things like that that are really bad where it's like, oh the, no, how am I going to get out of this dungeon now? I'm a dime. Like my yeah, character's a dime and I can't the, fix them. The mushroom thing. Oh, you get the mushroom on your head and you start going. That like, drove The me controls nuts. are all any direction. Oh, I hated that. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, that's fun though. It's just really annoying yeah. when it happens, but that's at least a fun mechanic, but. Yeah, the, so it always switches, so you'll be going up, and then all of a sudden the up button's down or right. Yeah, or... The, it was the worst, I think, to, more towards the beginning of the game, because I, I, yeah. I still didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where to go. Which is when they I introduced to... the mushrooms at the beginning <laughs> of the <laughs> now game. Now I have to navigate in this strange world with controls that are... And, and <laughs> not only do the controls switch up randomly uh, it, when you get the mushroom on your head, but... You'll be going left once you figure out which way left is, and, and then all of a sudden it switches again, and you're going up or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that that sucks ass. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that, like the homesickness one's the one that probably bothered me the most because you'd be in a fight and then oh, Ness misses yeah. home, and I'm like, I'm nowhere near a phone. I can't call my mom. <laughs> just pain in the ass. And then like you'd be fighting a big boss, and he's just sitting there. I can't fight right now. Oh. <laughs> It actually didn't affect my gameplay that much. I, I, I saw it happen a few times, but I, I think, I guess, I don't know, maybe I was just lucky. Yeah, you might, I don't know. I, that hit me the most out of anything. Maybe I just weren't, wasn't calling enough. I, near the end, I kept calling all the time every time I got a chance just to do it. Um, yeah. I I think, uh, for me, my biggest gripe is that <laughs> when you start up the game, you see a bunch of, like, alien spaceships, like, I don't know, shooting lasers down to Earth or something like that. There's this yeah. cool illustration. I was like, oh, cool, this is an alien game. Like, and there, I haven't, I don't know if I ever played like a real, like, a, like an alien game on Super Nintendo. And I was, I was like, I, I love sci-fi stuff. I'm gonna sit down and play this game. The game I have, uh, uh, getting back into games for the first time in a long time. Enjoy some sci-fi shit. And then, it's not really about aliens. Not until you fight Gygus. I don't think there's really too many is, aliens. I mean, the Starman. But is he even an alien? You don't know. Right. You don't know if any of it's really alien. So it's not really, like, it has some sci-fi qualities to it at, par- at parts, but it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I kept I kept waiting. Like, I, I had this expectation the entire game, and it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend, uh, if you want a fun alien game that's kind of like Earthbound in that it's set in just, like, somebody's house, you know. Uh, Maniac Mansion, which is a point-and-click game. Hmm. Uh, that's really fun. A lot of tentacle monsters, zombie creatures, and just weird stuff. Uh, that's more of a I-have-to-figure-out, you know, puzzle-solving kind of game. But it's that was one of my favorite games growing up. Me and my brother were just talking about it yesterday. What was that on? Uh, Super Nintendo. Oh, really? I think they actually made a second one, too. But, yeah, Maniac Mansion, That's a, it's a fun game. Hmm. has this classic music. That. You probably heard the music before. Uh, but there's so many weird things, like... I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, especially you, because you haven't played it yet. But trust me, it's it's a fun game. Another one, price like all those old games, like some of the stuff is a real pain in the ass that shouldn't be. But back then, they were kind of laying the framework for how games were made. We didn't really know, so yeah, you know, it just uh, sometimes it was a little more irritating than other times. Maybe Earthbound just didn't realize that having a limited item menu is a pain in the balls. Maybe not do that sometimes. But it, it adds a challenge to the game, yes, but not the kind of challenge the the player is gonna enjoy. Right. Uh, oh, you know, we didn't talk. We didn't actually flesh out our gripe about Fuzzy Pickle guy. Oh yeah, the photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a bunch of times in the game where the game comes to a 
uh, way too many times in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes to a screeching halt because this stupid photographer guy comes spinning out of the sky. Speaking of which. Whoa. No. Oh. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> dude, I wish I had the music I could cue up. That stupid music he plays. He just comes out of the sky, and then he takes your picture, and it takes forever, it seems. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's always when you're like in a big hurry to do something, and then the game grinds to a halt. It's worse than when his dad calls you nonsense like all the yeah. time. It's just like, why is this guy here? <laughs> oh, because he wants to get a picture for you, and at the end of the game when you beat it, it's a bunch of pictures that, you just, that I didn't even yeah. watch, really. And they could have just put in there. Could have put it in there randomly. anyway, yeah. I yeah. don't need all these. What happens if you are able to avoid that guy for the most part? Do you just get a couple pictures? Can you avoid that guy? You got Some of the places you can't, no. Yeah. I don't. Also. I think they just don't put that picture in at the end. One huge gripe, because I wouldn't have known about this if I didn't already know about it. If I played this in the 90s, I would have probably had to give up on the game then. Uh, there's a very vague clue uh, you get from one of the guys from uh, the Saturn men or whatever they're called. Um, in the Saturn village mm-hmm. about when you go behind the waterfall, there's a waterfall <laughs> you stand behind for like three minutes straight. No joke. You stand behind it. Don't move. Don't touch the controller for three whole minutes. And then the thing opens up or something. I even know already beating the game once and knowing this on the second playthrough went back there. And I don't know if I was, I forget what it was. I might have stood in the wrong spot or something. And I, it was like 15 different like minutes of me moving around and just waiting, and I couldn't get the fucking thing to activate. It was so infuriating. I had to look it up again. I was like, oh, I'm staying in the wrong spot or something. But it's like, why? Why is this in the game? Why does it have to be three minutes? It's funny, because it's one of those things that I was like proud of myself for not missing. Yeah. Because it's, it's one of those things that, as a kid, I definitely would have been like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Well, if you don't talk and to that Saturn guy, you wouldn't have even known if yeah. you didn't look up a guide or anything. Right. Now, the first playthrough, I got it just because I talked to that guy, and he just tells you, oh, stand behind the thing for mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, do you really think it's going to be three minutes? But also, those Saturn guys talk like idiots. Yeah, and their their uh, fonts for their words yeah. are, like, these big, weird shapes. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like Which that. is also cool. Like, it's cool, I like but it's like... Because <laughs> it's... I, I don't know. You don't see at least not often do you, do you see like anything but regular text in a super nintendo game yeah i guess even in this one that was like one of the few times uh, yeah there is another one though which how great is this that we, we should have brought this up in the fight mechanics sometimes you get a smash feature where yeah. you hit the character like you hit the enemy and it just it's a super hit and just says smash yeah. across the screen and you just bash the shit out of them <laughs> and usually they die or get really hurt yeah, that's a good feeling uh you have to get your guts level up for that um mm-hmm. But that, that that is a good one. Like, yeah, especially sometimes when you're about to die, and then all of a sudden a smash comes out of nowhere. You're like, Ugh! yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not getting smashed, because that, that can suck. And especially with the characters that you like, never have any hope for. Yeah, that's always like when Jeff gets a smash. Like, yeah. whoa, Jeff, the useless, <laughs> the weakest from? guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comes out bludgeoning somebody with a bazooka. <laughs> so we kind of talked about this before, but I've never been like much of a uh, game replayer. Except for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Nine, right, and uh, and dumb shit like Call of Duty, but you've already played it twice, so we kind of talked about how it's fun to just like focus on the nuances of the game if you do a second playthrough. But um, like, what all you think there is in it 
to make that that makes it especially replayable. Because there's such a fun, unique story that takes place, and there's so many weird things that you don't get to focus on when you're just trying to survive the first time. Yeah. And there's a lot you have to figure out. So when you're trying to figure out even how to play the stupid game, you miss so much. Or even if you, you know, you might not miss it, but you don't get to really enjoy what you're doing. You go through that stupid monkey maze. Like, (laughs) the first playthrough of the monkey maze, you're just trying to figure out how to get through the dumb maze. But then the the second playthrough, you're like, this is so weird. Like, you get to appreciate what a unique uh setup it is like oh i have to get this monkey a banana to get in this room and then i get something off of this monkey give to that monkey it's like this big pointless stupid thing <laughs> it's like why am i doing this but it's just like really really weird that uh like the dino land or whatever that's called the other world or underworld um the first time you play you're just trying not to fight dinosaurs and yeah the stupid earthquakes that stop everything uh, that's annoying but you don't really explore too much. At least I didn't because I wasn't strong enough. But then the second playthrough, I was already souped up. I knew what I was doing. So I just explored the hell out of that place just for fun because it looked cool. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things like that. Like at the end of the game, uh, you can t- get your bicycle back and you can ride it in the dirty swamp. Mm-hmm. And it makes a funny yeah, sound. Do it. Yeah, I did. And it was fun. Not really. I don't know. What was the point of it? Just ride it. <laughs> But just to do things like that. Just to... Uh, Go back and visit stuff and the replay value. Yeah, just because once you already know what you're doing, too, it's like, oh, I know. Like, you were getting killed by the barf guy or whatever because you didn't realize you had to use the honey, the fly honey. I forgot I had it. Yeah. And you, like, you will literally just fight that guy until you die because he's, you can't defeat him unless you use that honey, uh, fly honey. (laughs) And I told you, I was like, no, just use the fly honey. Immediately you beat him. He's like the easiest villain in the game. Like, <laughs> like, like, I forgot like, about it because I thought it was going to be for something else. And then I, I turned out I was just being ridiculous. And then it's just <laughs> like, oh, but in the second playthrough, you know all that stuff. So it's super fun. You yeah. Blow through that. The only thing is, I will say, as far as replayability, uh, replayability, you cannot get past the grinding in the game. Yeah. I mean, you get better at how to grind, when to grind, and what characters are best to grind. Uh, like fighting the Starman to get the, you know, the, the sword of whatever. Uh, you could do stuff like that and it'll get you super powered, but you still have to grind, which sucks. That's why, like Chrono Trigger, you don't have to grind to get through that game. But for the most part, the story is unique enough. The music's great. Uh, everything's colorful. There's so much weird stuff. There's a lot of people you probably skip talking to when you play through the first time that you could now go back and just like, oh, see what they're talking about. Oh, goofy, yeah. stupid. Go to random houses and people are just, you know, just all have funny dialogue. Not necessary to uh, read it and hear it, but it's fun to do. I think I read all that stuff and inter- interacting with all the characters the first time through because I, I just knocking on every door just I to did, sort of figure I out did. how to do the game. I increasingly, as a, like as I'm, as like playing games as an adult, I, I try my best not to look stuff up. Yeah. So I do the thing where I just I'll talk to everybody, I guess, and try to figure it out, figure out my way through just on my own without any help. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there's, there's a lot in this game. And if I, I think like if nothing else, then how pretty it is. Yeah. It's like, there's not, there's not a lot to it, even though it's as like strange and uh somehow complex. There's a uh, but, dungeon guy that is just a dungeon that you solve. Like, you go into yeah. him, and he goes through his body, and it's a dungeon, and then he becomes your buddy. It's yeah. weird, and he helps you for a little bit. Yeah. It's like just shit like that. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't get old. It's just great. 
Yeah. Or like the second time I played through, I went through summers just to explore the beach, like to really just walk around. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, there's not really much to see, but just to do it. Right. Um, there's a couple of times you can glitch the game out if you want. I didn't do, uh, like at the end of the game, you can't fight. There's no enemies anymore. Mm-hmm. So Ness can't die. But if you, there's one hieroglyphic guy or whatever in the one museum, you defeat him, uh, when you go there earlier in the game, but you don't necessarily have to defeat both of them. If you only fought one and didn't beat the second one, oh. you could technically go back, fight the guy, lose on purpose, and then die after the game's completed. And then I think Ness walks around as a ghost or something. Oh, really? <laughs> like something weird like that. Yeah. I didn't, know that. I didn't do, I didn't, I already beat the guy. I didn't know that till after I beat it the oh. second time, but. Yeah, you could do some stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if I saw a second guy. Uh, maybe I did. I think there's two of them. But I know there was like a there was like a a, a a backtrack thing that you could do that I didn't do as I was dying. I was just trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you think? Anything else? Play Earthbound. Yeah, it's, it's Earthbound. a worthwhile game. It's a lot of fun. It's probably the most unique RPG I've ever played. Uh, until I start playing Fear and Hunger for... <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Yeah, I don't want to talk that, about that right now. That might be a future episode. We're, yeah, we we'll we discussed uh, a couple games we're going to do for this podcast. And one's an indie game called Fear and Hunger, and it's very, very grotesque, I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a kid. It's the exact opposite of an Earthbound. <laughs> there is nothing innocent about that game, nor would I recommend anyone under the age of 18 playing that game, which... Uh, Seems like a thing to say when kids are so grown up. I mean, probably too grown up nowadays, but even so, I wouldn't. 15-year-olds, right. don't play that game. It's, it's fucked up. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Earthbound, uh, definitely one of my favorite games. Very unexpected how it came into my life just as it came into yours, and I'm very happy I played it. Uh, I probably won't play it again now and maybe 20 years. I don't know, but like yeah. as of now, I have no interest in playing it a third time because I, I think I've, I've seen everything you can mm-hmm. see now, but. Definitely worth at least one playthrough at some point. Yeah, I would agree. So, next episode. So, well, before we get there, those listening can't see this, but I got this broken slot machine <laughs> in the in the podcast office. And, You're just going to uh, keep tugging it? Fucking, it doesn't work anymore, so I had to get these. I had to Three get, Mexican I guys? I had to get a couple of guys. <laughs> and we just keep spinning them around. And they have these, they have signs, and they, everyone, we just hope. I never won. We hope we'll get all sevens or something like that. No. Just one time. See what happens. I actually found out what happens if you get, if you win. <laughs> you get anything? You get a skip sandwich. <laughs> yeah, there's a, in the desert area, there's three guys with sombreros. I don't think they're actually Mexican. I forget their names are. Something brother. And they have Sanchez a Sanchez, Sanchez. Maybe they are Mexican. I don't know. But there's the slot machine doesn't work, so they just spin around with numbers, and it's it's very stupid. <laughs> it's very stupid. That's ridiculous. There's quite a few pointless things <clears throat> in the game like that. But anyway, next yeah. episode, something wicked this way comes. Yeah, and uh, we, we're talking about getting a list of uh, books and games for our uh, future episodes, so maybe you guys can follow along with us, read along, play along, and uh, understand what we're talking about. So, for episode two, coming up soon, we'll be discussing Ray Bradbury's novel, Something Wicked This Way Comes, and why we think it's a good partner to Earthbound. Excellent. Alright, so I'm Bryce Yoli, I'm with Caleb James, and oh, you want to plug your podcast, Caleb? If you folks want a down and dirty literary podcast, 
<laughs> you can go head on over to the DPW podcast, oh. the Drunken Penwriting podcast. We That's a can, good one. We can be found online at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at DPW podcast. You can also check out my website, calebjamesk.com. Like I said, I am an author, so I do have some writing on there, publication history, different things like that. Just go there if you want to find my podcast. It's uh, We talk about books and writing. That's, that's about the, most of it. I mean, we talk about other dumb shit, too, but yeah. yeah. It's good. I listen to it while I'm working. Most people listen to it in the bathroom or while they're working. Yeah. Sometimes you're working in the bathroom. You never know. So we'll figure out an uh, email address for the podcast and maybe set up some social media, and we'll... Uh... We'll get that together and we'll see you guys next time. Check it next week.